Pretty good, sir. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Welcome to the first Planet Hollywood of the new year. I was going to say Happy New Year, but I think we're past the cut-off point and it just gets tedious when people keep repeating it over and over. So joining me this week are the Sunday Mail's political editor, John Ferguson, and Douglas Dickey of the Scottish Daily Express. Um, it's been a pretty busy first week back at Hollywood, and I think it's probably the time when we can safely say that the general election in Scotland effectively kicked off because on Monday we had two speeches, one by the Scottish Labour leader Anas Sarwar in the morning and then one from the First Minister Hamza Youssef in the afternoon. And I think that was pretty symbolic because the general election in Scotland is going to be dominated by these two leaders, Labour trying to topple the SNP, the SNP trying to hold on to as many seats from Labour as possible. So that was the backdrop, I think, to, to both speeches. John, just starting with you on Anas, uh, I was there for his speech. Um, there were pro-Palestinian protesters outside. I got called a very rude word as I walked in, or I'm told I got called a, a very rude word, beginning with C and uh, ending in T. But, you know, I'll get over it. Um, what did you make of Anas's speech, which... Be fair to say, majored on the issue of change, a word I think he, he mentioned dozens of times. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it was a he delivered the speech well. Um, he, the, I think the issue here is just what is that change? What is Labour going to do in power that's different from what the Conservatives and the SNP are doing in power at the moment? Um, the Labour strategy seems to be to try to not offend anyone, talk about change a lot and, um, you know, just seem like a, a competent alternative. Um, I think one of the, uh, what's certainly emerging as a bit of a problem for them is just this issue that you mentioned earlier on Palestine. Now, obviously, Keir Starmer and Anas appear to be at odds on their attitude to this, but this does seem to be something that is really offending a lot of people and um, is, is, you know, may, making people think, I would imagine, that they would like to vote for a party that is calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, as actually Anas has, has backed in the past. The thing that struck me, John, is that change is a very powerful slogan and message you know alex salmon used it back in 2007 to great effect when they managed to dislodge labor david cameron used it 2010 after labor had been in power at uk level for 13 years so now it's labor's turn effectively to to use the same tactic that works so well on them but do you think john that as you say there's not much detail of what that change is so there's maybe a feeling that Labour's lead over the Tories and maybe the sort of the small lead that they've got over the SNP is quite soft. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. That change is a great word. The assumption is that most people in the country aren't entirely happy with the way things are going. And if someone tells them that they, they are going to change that and make things better for them, then 
people believe in it or want to believe in it. But the issue here is, what's the detail? What are you going to change to make our lives better? Now, if you think back, to be fair, Greg spoke about Alex Salmon coming in uh, 2006-07. He spoke a lot about change, but there was some big policies behind that, like um, free university education, free prescriptions, etc. Um, those things did happen. And so I think that's what is kind of lacking from Labour here is a couple of really eye-catching big ticket policies. Dougie, if you look at the general election polls in Scotland, I think a couple have put Labour ahead, which is a pretty remarkable turnaround given I think they got fifth place at the European election last time. Do you think, is that more to do with Labour strength or is it more to do with the weakness of their opponents by that? I mean, the SNP and the Tories at the UK level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've said on here before, Paul, many times, I, I do feel that Labour's success in the polls right now, it's almost entirely down to who, to who they're not rather than who they are. Uh, I mean, I think John, hit, uh, he's hit the nail on the head in terms of that speech. It was, it was very, very policy-like. I, I certainly found it very kind of policy-like and I think right now they just, you know, they, they realise you never interrupt your uh, enemy when he's making a mistake. And right now the SNP and the Tories are making uh, mistakes left, right and centre. What I thought was interesting is um, there, there was a pitch. Obviously, there was very much a pitch to yes voters, to, dis, uh, to disaffected yes voters. You, you know, let's like boot the Tories out and whatnot. But I, I, I felt there was a few wee nuggets in there for unionists as well, where he was very careful to say, you know, I don't I, I don't support another independence referendum, I don't support independence. I think that was directed elsewhere. He was very careful to, you know, talk about no uncosted policies. Um, I think he's seen the mess the SNP have got themselves into Holyrood with all these massive um, uh, pay increases for public sector workers, which has, you know, contributed to this huge uh, black hole in the budget. So, um, yeah, I mean, right now, Labour just, I, I mean, I find, I, I, I don't find Anis Sarwar at all inspiring. Um, I, I don't think Keir Starmer's particularly inspiring, but, you know, I think people are looking at the last 15 years or so and, and, and maybe thinking that, you know, again, that's what we need. Maybe we need just nice, boring, boring guys to come in and nice, boring leadership. And um, I think right now, the, you know, as long as Labour don't, monumentally muck it up, then, uh, you know, I think that soft vote, I know John said, I think, I think it's a soft lead in Scotland, if, if indeed it is a lead at all. Uh, I think I think the UK-wide polls now, I, I mean, we need to, I think people need to accept that, you know, Keir Starmer's going to win the election um, down south and he's going to win the election UK-wide. Um, but I think they just need to avoid making really bad mistakes. Um, the Gaza thing... I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that that's going to help the SNP up here because at the end of the day, you know, the SNP MPs at Westminster don't 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 hold any sway. They just go down there and and, and kind of stoke their grievance and then come up the road. Whereas a Labour government, you know, cannot, a Labour vote can obviously influence the government and uh, who then could in turn influence, potential influence, you know, Israeli policy. So I'm, I'm not convinced that's going to have a massive impact on the vote, to be honest. I kind of agree with you, Dougie. I remember like Iraq, yeah. um, 2005 election, 
by that point, it was pretty conclusively proven that there were no weapons of mass destruction, and Tony Blair went on to win another comfortable majority. So I always feel like it's domestic issues, not foreign ones, that determine UK general elections. Absolutely. Um, Dougie, see if we'd been speaking this time last year, and if we'd been talking about Scottish Labour winning 20 seats at the general election, they would have been um, biting uh, our arms off for a, a result like that. But Well, you would have well, yeah, well, we're, we're, now, we're now in a situation where, um, you know, that might actually be quite a disappointing result. They, they actually want to come in first place ahead of the SNP and maybe get, you know, 25 to, to 30 seats. Do you think that Labour maybe have to manage expectations a bit? Yeah, I, I, I think I actually, actually spoke about this um, in, in a piece I wrote at the end of last year, making my predictions for this year. And that was, I, I, I still think there's a really good chance that the SNP will emerge as the largest party in Scotland. I, I mean, I would I would suggest that's probably more likely right now. I, I still think that's more likely. Um, maybe maybe without a majority, probably without a majority of seats. But, but yeah, I, I, whether it's a case of Labour need to temper their expectations or Labour supporters on, you know, social media can be such a echo chamber. Um you know, I do wonder if you know what what will constitute a good result for Labour. I also think you can see the SNP are, are creating or trying to create a narrative where, if they did emerge as the biggest party, regardless of whether they had a majority or not, I, I think they're now trying to make out that that would be a good result for them. When in reality, that would be a complete disaster. So I think I think both I, I think the SNP are trying to manage expectations, and I think Labour should probably try and manage expectations because, I, I mean, I, I, I genuinely, at this moment, still think that the, that the SNP are favourites to finish first in Scotland. Um, John, the First Minister, also gave a speech, um, majored heavily on independence. I think there were some facts and figures, claims about uh, how better off people would be if Scotland was independent. Do you think the fact that he's focusing on that issue shows that he's he's very much trying to um, put together or coalesce around what he regards as quite a, a, a large and strong core vote, the, the pro-Indy vote, maybe just put that back together and hope that'll be enough to um, emerge as the largest party whenever we get the election. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought it was quite a strange speech just from the point of view that, I mean, it's not a surprise to anyone that Hamza Yusuf thinks that everybody would be better off um, under in an independence Scotland. The question is, how do we get there? And that's, uh, I mean, it's, to be honest, it's not really his fault, is it, that there isn't a clear answer to that question. Um, but I would have thought that he would be more keen to focus on things that he can control and things that he potentially can deliver um, in, in other areas of Policy. I mean, if many, if Scotland really is a more left-wing place than England, then you would think that the SNP should win the election just based on the the policies that have in terms of taxing um, rich people or richer people more. I mean, the, you know, the tax ban that they've announced recently, and um, the you know, there's a, there's a clear commitment to higher public spending and and taxing the better off if necessary to achieve that. Um, 
So I think the place that the election potential is going to be winning losses is going to be in terms of competence. Do people see Labour or the SNP as more competent? Um, and that's where the SNP have got a problem. They've been in power for so long now that there's many, many areas that you can point to them rightly or wrongly and claim that you, there's there's clear incompetence there. You think, John, that Hums and his team recognise that this is going to be a bad election for them? Um, isn't much positive going to come from it. They just want to get it out of the way and then focus on... Um, delivering a few policies over the next couple of years to take that into the next Hollywood election and then try and hold on to power in 2026. Yeah, I think that's what I think that's right. The they I mean they want to do as well as they can in this election, but ultimately I think they know that they're going to lose seats and that it's about saving face and damage limitation, what the real focus is going to be is on winning the next Scottish election, um, staying in power and as a result of that keeping the the dream of independence alive. Um, I think just like the Labour Party are a bit short on big policies, they need to come up with some as well. Um, for example, Alex Neil was talking last week about a land tax in Scotland, which is a really interesting idea, something like that is potentially be a good thing for the SNP to look at at the moment. Dougie, do you just kind of feel with SNP just now and, and with Hamza that they're on the downward slope? You know, they, they could be they could be led by Bill Clinton or Obama, um, and they would just still be going downwards. There's just nothing really at this moment in time we can do about it. Uh, I don't think uh, Hamza helps. Um, I, I, you know, after 16 years. In, in, in power, I think everyone can expect to see a, a drift in support, but I, I really don't think he uh, he helps. It, it just, I, I think John called his, his speech strange. I, I, I just thought it was dreadful. It's a dreadful speech. Figures popped from thin air. I mean, £10,200 richer. I mean, they're going to, it's going to take an awful lot of loans for Peter Murrow to pay for that, but um, it, it <laughs> Sorry, it was just, um, I mean, it was just nonsense. It was just, it was just complete nonsense. Um, the speech as well, you know, completely borderline between party and government as well. He's up there, Scottish government branding beside him, speaking as first minister, making a, 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 a party political pitch to voters ahead of the general election. Big questions over who's helped him draft his speech. I mean, the civil service had to censor it on the on, on the Scottish government website. It was so bad. Uh, the inflation of how you know how how much better we are going to be off. It was six hundred pound nine years ago. Now it's ten thousand two hundred. I know I know inflation's been bad, but I don't think it's been that bad. Um, and I think it was a sign of a man who can make these claims, knowing that he doesn't. You know he's not going to need to come through with that, and you know I'm not even sure who it was pitched at because I don't even think independent supporters would buy that. It was just really, really bad. So, and then he then goes out and, and does an interview with you know ITV Border, which which was equally as bad, claiming Scottish votes don't matter. So where's the you know if our vote don't matter, why should we you know why should why should them to go out and vote for the SNP? So. Well, I agree that the SNP are, are, are probably on a natural down 
from you know a sixteen years of being in power up here, and obviously uh, you know eight years of uh, being the number one party in general elections. I really don't think the man in charge helps him at all. I, I think again, I've said this many times. I think he looks completely out of his depth, uh, and what a man who's running out of ideas. Just a, a brief postscript in this: the SNP have got their general election launch, their formal launch, uh, I think in Glasgow tomorrow. So. Um, as I was saying at the beginning, there's going to be so many of these events from Labour and the SNP, most of them in the central belt, because I think that's where this uh, this fight uh, between both parties is going to take place uh, come October or November time. Uh, just on a policy issue, XL Bully Dogs, the Daily Record has covered this at length. Um, the backdrop to this is that um, there was a ban of sorts implemented in England and Wales, the Scottish Government did not initially follow suit. They moaned about a lack of consultation. Uh, lo and behold, um, we then had reports of dogs being transported north of the border. Uh, we had a story this morning that there was going to be a sanctuary opened near Forfar. John, what can you say other than a complete dog's breakfast? Yeah, I mean, you could see this one coming a mile away and it just... It, it was remarkably similar to some other, like the GRR stuff, for example, where there, it was just so clear where the Scottish government would was going to end up, but it seemed to take them so long to get there. I don't think there's any doubt that these dogs are dangerous. They're bred to fight. Um, most of the deaths over the last few years have been have involved XL bullies. The, the figures are pretty shocking. They've killed, I think it's 11 people in the last three years, so a ban is appropriate. England obviously realised this, went ahead with one. Um, it looks to me, maybe I'm being cynical, but it looked to me like Scottish government, Hamza Yusuf, thought that there was some kind of political capital to be made out of not just going along with that. Um, then these stories, inevitable stories, come out about people moving XL bullies to Scotland I'm pretty sure it's become clear that it was only a matter of time before a child or someone mm. was attacked by one of these dogs in Scotland and you've got an absolute political catastrophe on your hands and you need to ban them at that point. So I, I, imagine, I imagine one of the dogs that had been transported from England to Scotland had like set upon a child. Or Yeah, and this, yeah this, I mean, this isn't a... Like a crazy notion that this is inevitable, especially when the media are going to be checking with the police to find out whether there has been any attacks. It's a matter of time before that happens. It seems astonishing to me that um, that Hamza didn't realise immediately that there was only one thing to do here, and that was to ban those dogs immediately. Um, Dougie, are you happy that these um, concrete crocodiles are going to be banned up here? Yeah, well, I, yeah. Um, I, I, I would pretend to know a great deal about dogs. Um, I, I've been a dog owner in the past, but I, I stay well clear of them now. Uh, I'm a bit allergic; they bring me out in rash. But um, yeah, look, I, I, I think ultimately we've got to the right decision eventually. But in the process, it's made Humza Yusuf and the Scottish government look weak because it's it's not even a week since he was telling us that there was no need for a ban. Less than a week later, the bans come in, um, and 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 I think 
John said he was maybe being cynical. I, 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 I don't think there's any doubt that this was partly motivated by a desire to be a bit different from England, which seems to be uh, for a lot. I know thought policy seems to be the uh, SNP's uh, uh, mo, and, and it just it, it's such a bad look for them. They were warned, of course. They were warned what would happen if they didn't bring in a ban. They were warned that there'd be an influx of these animals to Scotland. Swan Brown then moaned about it. You know, why are people bringing these, uh, uh, them here? They called it a loophole. There wasn't a loophole. There was no loophole. The loophole was a Scottish government decision. It, it wasn't a decision down south. People weren't taking advantage of a loophole down here. Uh, down there, they were taking advantage of the policy that the Scottish government decided to implement or, or decided not to change. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a complete mess for them. It's another, uh, you know, U-turn Yusuf, as I've called him quite often, and, and, and this is just yet another example of it. Um, final big issue, chaps, the post office horizon scandal. I mean, I'm not sure what we can add to this. I mean, it's already been described as one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in British history. I mean, it's just a absolute disgrace from beginning to end. Um, the Prime Minister said this week that there would be a new law so that people who are wrongly convicted would be swiftly exonerated and compensated. Um, the First Minister uh, said he's sympathetic to a UK-wide solution um, whereby um, the Scottish Government or Scottish Parliament effectively rubber stamps the, the UK-wide system. Um, John, do you think maybe the focus now is going to be on who knew what and when? particularly given that the, the, the prosecutions in Scotland were pursued by the Crown Office? Yeah, I think the Crown Office have got questions to answer. Um, the, also, the company involved, Fujitsu, have got questions to answer. Um, I think that the big um, takeaway for um, traditional journalists like ourselves from this story is that perhaps if we are to, you know, dramatise our stories in some way rather than just tell them traditionally um maybe they would have more impact because this was a this was a, a scandal that had been covered for years there had been thousands of stories written about it there was very little political reaction really until an itv drama which has resulted in instant action convictions are going to get quashed um with compensation that's the you know the the biggest thing that's happened in in years. Um, so I, I think there's definitely. I think one of the reasons the um, conservatives were so keen to pursue this is because a lot of the injustice happened under previous Labour government, and also uh, Keir Starmer was the head of the prosecution service in England for part of the time that this was going on. Um, but there is this interesting distinction in Scotland that was the Crown Office that was responsible for prosecutions of around 100 um, people. Um, Hamza Yusuf is now saying that those convictions are going to be overturned, but there, there is big questions, I think, to answer. Um, also, in terms of um, people within the post office in Scotland, why this was allowed to happen for so long. Um, Dougie, I think it's fair to say that no political party comes out of this smell of roses. I mean, it happened on Labour's watch uh, under Tony Blair and then the Lib Dem Tory coalition, probably argue they turned a blind eye. Um, and we've also had an SNP 
government, which, uh, of course, we have the devolved Crown Office. I mean, it's not really something that you can point the finger at one party and say you're to blame for this. No, I, I, I think that's a fair, you know, summary of the situation. That's not stopped some people trying to do it, of course. Um, we had Stephen Flynn in, in uh, PMQs yesterday was trying very much to kind of make that political point um, just a day before Angela Constance and uh, and, 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 and Holyrood had been angered because people were making it overly political. So again, you know, the SNP at Holyrood, the SNP at Westminster, two, you know, kind of two different things. He also, Stephen Flynn also spoke about how uh, the government have only taken action on it because of this ITV documentary. Um, no, not sorry. It wasn't a documentary, was it? <laughs> it was a, it was a, a, a drama. Um, but of course, the SNP and, uh, and the Scottish government have only taken action as well because of that. So, yeah, obviously, most of the focus will be on the Westminster parties, I think, for it. But um, I think it's fair to say that... Uh, Every you know the the four don't don't come out of it smelling of roses, and I think to be fair, most most seem keen to come to a solution. Um, uh, you know, I guess some people have questioned why it's taken this you know this drama series to kind of um, push people in um, into action. I, I, I guess as as long as we are, you know, politicians are pushed into action, that doesn't really matter. Uh, it has been widely covered in the press, but you know, as John said, there didn't really seem to be the will. I think, I think we'd have got here eventually, um, but I guess it just shows the power of you know the power of TV. So um, hopefully, hope, hopefully we can get to as good a conclusion of this as possible. Obviously, for you know, for some people, have died um, over this and. Uh, you know, there'll be no real, you know, there'll be scant consolation to their families. But as long as we get to the right point, there are issues, of course, as well with complete, um, you know, just exonerations and, and whatnot. These things have, you know, question marks over them as well. But hopefully, hope, you know, hopefully we can get to um, a stage where, where uh, justice is done because uh, I, I, I think it's one of the, you know, one of the rare occasions where uh, the outrage is, is almost completely universal. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, the point I would make is that leaders are saying that uh, they want people who are wrongly convicted to be exonerated. It's, it's going to take quite a sifting job to work out, make a distinction between those who are convicted and wrongly convicted. So that's going to be a job of work to be done, I would imagine. Um, so just summing up, uh, good week, bad week. John, let's start with you. Uh, so for good week, I'm going to go with the Stone of Destiny. There was this fantastic story at the um, just in the New Year. Um, some there was some cabinet papers released from 2008 that showed that Alex Salmond had been given a fragment of the Stone of Destiny um, that was cut off while the when the when the stone was stolen by a bunch of students in the 1950s. Um, this provoked a furious reaction from Alistair Jack and Lord Forsyth, who accused him of accepting stolen goods and demanding that the fragment be returned. Um, but then, you know, the, 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 the icing in the cake was that 
that turns out this fragment had actually been given to the SNP and was found in the back of a cupboard at head office. It clearly it had it must have been worried that it might have been sitting in a police station somewhere with a exhibit A tag around it. Um, so they've you know they've admitted that they now have this fragment of the stone of destiny, but even though they, they seem to question whether it was authentic, um, and it's now it's unclear where it's going to end up. Um, the Scottish Secretary wants it sent to a new museum in Perth, but it kind of rekindled um, this amazing legend around the Stone of Destiny. And uh, it's, it's theft by these students in the 50s, which is a remarkable story. So I think the Stone of Destiny is a good, a good week. Um, I would say, I'll just say, Stone of Destiny stories leave me cool. I always switch off the telly or turn the page whenever it comes up. But this one, <laughs> pettiness of it did amuse me. Yeah. I must say. It's absolutely my favourite story of the year so far now. I realise we're only 11 days in, but um, it's it's just fantastic. I obviously covered, you know, we, I covered the Stone of Destiny in, in, in depth when I was in uh, the, at, at the Perthshire Advertiser, so... Uh, I, I certainly took a wee interest in it and uh, 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 absolutely great, great story. <laughs> and, bad, and, bad, bad week, I'm going to go with the Crown Office. They do seem to have some questions to answer over the um, the post office uh, scandal and why 100 people were prosecuted in what now appears to have been a huge miscarriage of justice. Fair enough. Dougie, over to you. Yeah, I felt I was a bit uh, spoiled for choice this week in both of them. Uh, it's obviously been a good week for all of us because we're all going to be £10,000 richer in terms of Yusuf's nationalist utopia. But uh, I've pumped for Kate Forbes, who, um, without doing anything, really, uh, apart from some comments about devolution, um, you know, must be sitting there rubbing her hands to see that Humza uh, Yusuf keep, keeps making a complete mess of being SNP leader. I said earlier, you know, never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. So uh, I, I, she's obviously on manoeuvres. She's obviously manoeuvring herself. Uh, if, if if the SNP do have a particularly bad general election, uh, and, and, and I think she'll be quietly pleased with her week's work without actually having done anything. So uh, it's been a good week for Kate. And for bad week, uh, I, again, you know, it's a bad week if you're an XL bully owner. But it's also, I think, been a bad week for Scottish democracy as a whole. Uh, really, really disappointed, but not surprised to see the First Minister making a Scottish Government speech and turning it into an SNP uh, general election pitch. Really disappointing that civil servants are being used on 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 these speeches um, to create them. I, 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 you know, leaves a, a bad taste in the mouth. And then uh, a day later, Humza comes out and tells us that uh, it doesn't matter who you vote in Scotland, so we don't need to bother to vote. And that's First Minister of Scotland saying that. So uh, I think it's been a bad week for Scottish democracy. All right. Thank you again. Busy first week, as I said. I'm sure there'll be many more of those. Uh, so I hope that uh, you all enjoyed listening to this episode of Planet Hollywood. Thanks to John and to Dougie again. And uh, please tune in next week. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.